very welcome along to Season 3, Episode 10 uh, of LOI Weekly with myself, Johnny Ward, and Daniel McDonald. We've uh, Goalkeepers Union of Gary Rogers and Shane Sopel in the studio, but I just get the feeling they won't be talking much about goalkeeping today. We're on Podcast Republic, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, at LOI Weekly on Twitter. Um, these are really, really epic days for Irish football in one way or the other. Uh, Dan, how are you? And um, actually, how are you? I'm fine, John. Yeah, I'm uh, good. It's good you, to see you. You really wanted a game of football at one o'clock before the show. Just you want to get out, uh, get outside, you know, sweat, get sweat, and just forget about your troubles at the moment because it must be, in terms of how many years you're a journalist, this must be up there with the most amazing. Week I don't or two. know. Like, yeah, yeah, it's epic. Epic is one way of putting it. Well, I suppose like it is an opportunity for for change. Like I said that the first time we spoke about it on the show that. Um, that this is like I think now the stuff yesterday. I mean, I, I was into the doll for the third day, third week in a row yesterday, and yesterday was Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as we yeah exactly recording Wednesday now, and you know like the, the you would have thought that the one with the FAI would have been the most substantial day, but then you get in and the chat just as you get in was the stuff coming out from the delight side of things and the the breaches of of the alleged breaches of of, of company law to the extent that there was something coming and you could just sense then even amongst the like the TDs and and even the Sport Ireland people that were there that the kickoff was delayed. I keep using football terms for it, but you know, kickoff was delayed. Uh, throw in at one o'clock was uh, was put back, uh, and you're like, all right, okay, and that and then you know then you, you get a sense that there's a draft letter coming that the board are all going to resign or step down. Sorry, uh, cause, you know they're not not paid employees. They're stepping down. And, um, and I mean, this followed on from Monday, camped out in a hotel to see what was going on with John Delaney as well. But you would have thought that by Monday that would have been a certain phase of it. But yesterday was probably the most dramatic of them all because yesterday there was a sense across the day that this really is the end. You know, this is the end of a time. Now, 12, 13 years ago, people thought it was the end of a time as well. And then what followed was... Uh, something, something that turned out to be worse than the, what was there before. If, if, if it might have been better initially, but over time it, it, it wasn't. Just, just and, 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 and this is the this is the thing now that there is an opportunity now to like reform the game in, in a way that 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 that's never been properly embraced before. Just, just for people, people to take who, it. yeah, for people who kind of don't have the time to look into yeah. everything that's going on. What was the most significant thing that happened yesterday on Tuesday in your mind? What was the most startling thing that came to light because it seemed to go to another level altogether? I still think the the. The company law aspect of it, and that you know, bringing it into the realms of the, you know, and you a, hear a potential cri- prison cri- term. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think it's wise mm. to speculate about that. But I, I think you know, criminal, uh, criminal offence territory. You know, that is that is another level, really, in terms of where something goes and the headlines that you can you can genu- generate to do with that has now brought like Irish football into into an unbelievable realm. You know, um, you know, we've had like I, I did a piece in the end of this morning, like, you know, talk about Saipan and like that's two lads having a row. You know, I mean like, there is that's a that's a massive story, of course, and but that's a massive story in the way that, you know, what does this mean for the team and what are the implications? But this is like this is uh the other level stuff. And um it's probably even there's a feeling that it's only still scratching the surface t- t- to a degree. Um, I mean, there's four reviews ongoing at the moment. Um, you can take your pick, really, um, of which one is your favourite. Um, but th- they all are, uh, all of a sudden, as I said, they're scraping away and, and looking through a time that I've always been convinced. And like you can idle talk and you can chat about it. I've always been convinced that in 15, 20 years' time, people will look back on this time and go, how? How did that happen? 
you know and like that's that has always been my conviction over the last couple of years and you'd wonder you wonder would it ever really come if, out if to that we, degree we need a tribunal uh, to that degree yeah. but like yeah but like if you think about these like this is just a lot of this is disgraceful like, there's a lot of money being spent on these reviews like the amount of money that is going to be spent from Irish football's coffers on a, on a, and it's probably a worthy spend if it gets the right solution that's fair enough but it's a lot of money but it's still a lot of money like you, anyone who's ever been in any situation in life you know where you've you've sought say legal advice or you know you know that that's an expensive thing or then you go into the, the realms of reports and reviews and all the stuff that we've had almost before this even the likes of we just spoke at the time about the whole Jonathan Gabay report back in the day you know in more, more innocent carefree times you know and you think money was spent on, on, on that and where did that come from and independent reviews and now like well, you know Mazars and Grant Thornton and like, they're not cheap no, you know, Gary Rogers. Um, I sent you an article yesterday from the Irish Times, just in relation to um, the lack of knowledge about the money that's actually been invested from SSC or Tristy. And I have to say, my blood started to boil because I was just uh, when Dan was talking about fifteen or twenty years down the line, we look back. Right now, it it, it boggles the mind in, to an extent how the League of Ireland clubs let this happen because they basically agreed to a, a system that possibly was. Well, there was mon- there was so much money going into the league that nobody could account for, and the prize money is terrible, and we don't actually know what the prize money could be, and we don't know how much money is taken on and basically put into other parts of the organisation. Yeah, well, I think um, you know, as the FAI basically rolled up all the all the money into one package, like the money that's there for the for the FAI for the first team for the Irish senior international team, and all the deals were kind of comprised into one into one package and then compressed know, was, into one package. Yeah, yeah, and then there was confidentiality agreements. So the League of Ireland clubs were weren't aware of what the actual League of Ireland was generating. So the, any of the prize money and any of the sponsorship that went into the FEI wasn't disclosed to the League of Ireland clubs. So they didn't really know what 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 sort of um, money that the league was earning. So they were in no position then to kind of you know to question prize money well, and well, yeah what what happened was a couple of years back that that the, the clubs basically engaged a barrister to to start off Jory, discussions no no Michael Cush sorry to start, Cush, yeah. to start off discussions with the FAI and um they signed up to a participation yeah. agreement yeah the clubs all signed into a participation yeah. agreement almost when the we, merger happened yeah but it was all day. it was all heavily stacked in the FAI's favour so then again they had they weren't able to kind of question it, as we all know like no. the clubs weren't, said weren't they weren't remotely equal partners no, no and then what happened was that they, they, they as my understanding would be that there was a delegation from that essentially the PCA the Premier Clubs Alliance that did then engage into a process where they did get I think access to some of the figures you know and and there was correspondence and discussion around that, but this hasn't really been moving along. And you know, it it hasn't really. I mean, over the weekend there was letters going back and forth. Ultimately, that like we're just f- before all this madness started. Like Fran Gavin was talking like last month about like from twenty twenty a new structure, this new hybrid model run between the. Cl- it's nowhere near ready to even go near that at the moment because they haven't even got satisfactory answers okay. for a lot well, of questions. Gary, yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're putting in, if if each club is paying money towards licensing and all that, yeah, there's an affiliation, affiliation fee, every, fee. Every seventeen thousand euros in the Premier Division. So. so 
so say that's by 12, right? So that's... By sev- 10, by 10. Se- sorry, 17 by 10. So that's 170 grand straight away, which to my mind is thereabouts what the prize money is in the Premier Division. So the SSC or Tristy League money, I'm just wondering, was somebody who was starved here, was food taken away from people who were starving in the sense that money was actually used that could have gone to the League of Ireland for some... Johnny, for- like you can't, like you can't speculate on that. You, like it's but, a it's but, a valid talking point to but, raise. So where is the SSC? How much would the SSC or Tristy uh, money for the league actually amount to, and where did that money go? Does you anyone have the answer to that? But no, we don't have the answer, and you'd also be talking about uh, potential TV uh, revenue from from the high from. Does anyone know what again. that is? That's all. Again, it's all wrapped into the same the same uh, agreements, and, and that the clubs have signed up to, and then they're not they're not they don't have the access to get yeah. in to see it. The running costs of the league, like you know, the FBI would say that the running costs of are the league are, are considerable. But the, the running cl- costs for the clubs are also considerable. They are. I oh, know, and and you see, like referees' fees is another thing as well to factor into it, which to, for each club can be quite substantial. Mm. And this is the point that um, the FBI have the control. So um, I think as part of the discussions, for example. Like take an area such as like staffing, and I would say that that in the league office there would be uh, okay, like there's Frank Gavin and there's certain other people that we know, but their job title uh, now, as we know, also includes other jobs within. Like Frank Gavin is not started off as a league that, of chief; he's that, not a competition competitions director. Yeah, that completely dilutes his his position and the position of the whole office. Like the whole office was put in there in order to run the league, yeah. and then you know they've changed the job title and given them more kind of duties. So then. You know, we've got a league which needs to be run properly, and then we've got exclusively, yeah, exclusively. But then we've given you know the people who are in charge of it other jobs to do. So, like, how can you run that league effectively when you've got you know you've got women's football to run as well mm. and, and other all competitions? Well, Shane, you went in there. You were part of the Bowes team up until uh, the off season, and um, you spoke passionately about the League of Ireland. Sadly, now one reflects on the time that you spent there and the time beforehand, and you wonder, well, what actually might have been if there was any prize money and any love given to the League of Ireland from this organisation? We always knew that, though, anyway, as players, you know, and even when I wasn't in the league, when I was outside the league, you know, you knew that there was something going on. I played at school by 11 in this country, all the way up to international underage, um, at amateur level with Crumman United, so I've seen most aspects of the game and how it's administered are not. Um, effectively um, in this country so I always knew there was issues there you know I wondered who these lads were coming on these trips away with us on international duty under 17 18 in their suits never introduced to them they never ate with us or did anything with you know to do with us but they're on these trips with us and there's three or four of them so I was even back then I was thinking what's the story there you know where are they, why are they coming with us and maybe they're obviously there to represent you know Leinster or Munster or whoever they are but um, like I compare it to the GA you know um, executive committees within local clubs and stuff like that as a young lad or as a young player or female or male you're empowered to go in and take a position up on your committee you know and to try make a difference but that never happens in soccer you never see a younger person on a committee in a soccer I don't think you know mm. looking at you're all 79. these you know, well, no. exactly it seems that way anyway yeah, but you look at the average that's an issue what yeah. have you made of the last yeah. three shambles <laughs> you know as we've said as we know um, and hopefully it's an opportunity now to, to make a massive change, but it's just not the board there. There's other stuff all the way down, you know, through the levels of the game that needs to be addressed, the council, all that. I think there, there's big issues. Talk about that then, because that like people might think, you know, you change the board and everything's fine. Yeah, it's not. And I read a piece there, a guy, Alan O'Brien did there as well, um, a Limerick guy, and, and he, he highlights it, you know, really, he covered locally the leagues and stuff like that, and he makes some, some good points. And a lot of his stuff that, you know, would have happened to maybe him in terms of covering the league and, 
how stuff was covered up and enjoyed and he was silenced you know and these are issues that need to be addressed and you know we've the likes of Dan and the guys have done unbelievable work in the last couple of weeks and highlighting and that's great and we owe you know a debt of gratitude to those guys for what they've done because who knows we this could have continued going on and going on and people who are not involved in the game like you have certain supporters just follow Republic of Ireland that's it the international team that's all they want to know about so they don't know League of Ireland or the amateur game how it operates um, so because the lads have highlighted and <laughs> it's seeing how <coughs> these lads managed to hold on to the position um, for so long going through the years of the ter- length of terms that they've had it's it's crazy and it's it's not obviously proper you know corporate governance <laughs> yeah know. the speed of the, the speed at which it's unravelled sorry Gary is like, standing on like the, if that Mark Toy story initially and the Times hadn't come out and I mean if, if the, the judge at the time had ruled that it, that it doesn't come out then we're not having this discussion now we're 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 going to a, an AGM and, and trim and you're you know you're neck of the woods in, in the yeah. summer for a festival of football celebration uh, where we we get told that everything's great and you have to go in and send your questions in before you before you even get if there. If you want to. If you want to, yeah. Just the people who might be familiar with because you're touching on that point, yeah. So, yeah, people are wondering what does the board stepping down mean, agreeing to step down? And the point is that at the moment, under the current structure, uh, to replace a board member, uh, the that sort of candidate has to come from the FEI council that is there at the moment. The council has been up around 60 people, 20 from the League of Ireland. There's a list from Connacht FA, Munster FA, Dancer FA, Ulster FA, various other, you know, schools, junior council, whatever it might be. So it's effectively like, I mean, I suppose in some ways it's like saying you need to be a, a, a TD to be in the government. You know, there, that's, there's a sort of a similar parallel with that. But, but what has been, you know, spoken about now and, and what the current board probably have a chance to do, the departing board, have a chance to do is to call an EGM or to really um, set the wheels in motion to change that. Now, McGarry and Shane are here, and primarily to people listening to this, they're known as footballers, but you're both obviously very active with the PFAI. Um, you're both in the management committee. Gary, you're the chairman at the moment. And so I appreciate that the PFI has had issues with FAI in, in recent years, and things haven't been great there. So, I mean, we are declaring that there is a bit of previous there. But at the same time, I think something that was said consistently yesterday um, was that the board going forward probably needs to have an ex-player representation. Now, I know you're probably a bit biased in some respects, but there is a logic behind that, right? To, yeah. you, to have a seat on the table. Is that something you would you would feel is the way forward? Yeah, absolutely. I think <clears throat> players are, are major stakeholders within the game. And I think, you know, it's important that their voices are heard and, and their opinions are, are all very valid because they've experienced, obviously, of the league and uh, obviously different clubs as well. They may have played at different clubs, but also the running of clubs and the League of Ireland in general. And I think um, it's important that our voices are there and our issues, you know, that we have within the game are addressed because, like, there's huge issues, ongoing issues within the league and, and you know, in, in all levels of football. I think, you know, the international team... You know, for the most part, has run very well and they're looked after really well. But sorry. you've experienced that yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, we we like Shane will probably back me up, and they're looked after terrifically well, mm-hmm. and everything is run is run properly, and there's no questions there at the very very top of the game. But like League of Ireland is the elite level of football in our country, and it certainly hasn't been. Uh, I suppose, you know, higher on the agenda of the FAI in the trade. Yeah, but there's so many little anecdotes and stories that you'll take. You know, you think that during 2012, um, I have to be careful how you phrase these things, but like during 2012, you know, Monaghan United went bust during the Euros. <coughs> Around that time, like, you know, the, the, the Irish players were staying in the team hotel, whereas as I understand it, there was like a quite expensive golf simulator 
in the hotel for the players to you know to entertain themselves during their downtime, you know. And like this is there's a lot of stuff that's going on around this around this time. You touch on Man United. That, that that's one of the casualties. They're one of the sad stories of a phone. But also as well. But like you've clubs have gone, you've people gone who who, but, who left the left football, whatever. Yeah. Um, who've been let down by the, the structure here and and let down by one man to an extent as well by the way it was run. Yeah, and like I. I I mean, there was there was a lot of uncomfortable aspects to last week to to the day in the doll, and I don't really want to go into a, a debate of assessing the performance of individual members over a period of time. But I suppose it is worth pointing out that Eddie Murray, you know, the treasurer who didn't know how many bank accounts there was, uh, did close, did, did initially he was close, <laughs> Farrah Hall, you know, within within a margin of error of twenty four, he was close. Um, you know, he he did come on to the to to administrative level in Ireland initially as a Monaghan United representative mm. so like there actually was League of Ireland representation on the board like Michael Cody who's also left over the past week was Cove Ramblers rep in Dublin um, so there actually have been people with league voices but they're not necessarily people that were sort of embedded in the day to day business what, what, of the do, league I think what doesn't surprise me um, from what I read about that is that <coughs> the board has kind of fractured a bit since that because I thought what Dennis Conway had to go through was Donald Conway sorry Donald Conway what he had to go through yeah. I thought was um, I don't, no, you talk I, about leadership like yeah, but I don't think someone under the bus yeah, like that I, you know, I, I think Shane you can you if that, if that were your father right that was in front of TV cameras yeah. he, he was made to answer questions that made him deeply uncomfortable I'd never really seen him in operation before you cannot overstate how much of a personal um, blow that was to him and for to his family what happened there and that was all because to my mind one man just wouldn't answer questions and I thought it was scandalous what went on on a human level I don't know these people and they're all vilified now and I felt very very sorry for him and for other people admittedly they should have been able to answer questions better but they, some of them should not have been answering them in the first place yeah and, and the, the young guy who's only starting there two weeks as well the finance guy mm. coming in and like I just thought that that's wrong at whatever level you're at business you know sport to put one of your team members in that position you know it's it's not good leadership, you know, for a start. And yeah, you feel sorry. I I did feel sorry for Donald to be honest, watching it. But at the same time, he's part of this board that surely should have questioned stuff that was going on beforehand. And that's what the board is there to do. So, on one hand, you know, not that I was, it was it was difficult to watch, and I did feel sorry for him. But I just couldn't believe that, you know, your manager, your leader would let you do that. You know, put you in that position. It's just disgraceful. Gary, the. You signed a statement. You're both sorry, co-signed on a statement, but you you were obviously the chairman, so there was a statement that went out, um, and you were quoted within it about sort of a, a law, a new law, I think was the phrase that was used. Like how important, how important was it to do that, to put out a statement at that stage? Well, I, look, I think um, I spoke to Stephen that morning, and I was angry and uh, about about you know the lack of questions uh, and the way that the FAA were were able to go in and delay the whole process and manipulate it. And you know what? Not answer the questions that people wanted answers to. And so I spoke to Stephen that morning, and we felt that you know we had to say something, we had to comment on the on the situation. And uh, we went around all the play, all the the, uh, the players on the committee were were um, were spoke to, and we got all our kind of bits and pieces together and what we needed to say, and we we put together in the statement. Everyone seen the statement before it went out, and it was agreed upon before we. So we did, we had due diligence, I suppose, when it comes to putting it out there. We're in a Hamlet quote as yeah, well. Yeah, we're in a Hamlet quote as well. So <laughs> that was Gary. It was, uh, <laughs> Gary is categorically denied it was him, by the way. Yeah, something wrong in the state of Gary. Uh, but um, yeah, look, it, it went out there. But it, I think it was the general consensus of, of the players, and even speaking to players in their own dressing room, you know, you know, 
what went, went what went on that day and what transpired you know it's not good enough and i think you know people are looking for trans uh, transparency and i think that's going to be fundamental to to the to the changes that are on the way and i think you know for the league you know to prosper i think you know there certainly has to be transparency there and and where you would like to see what revenue that the league is is generating and then how it can be can be put it back you into brought the your thesis in today I'm not going to bore you with that. What's the title of your thesis? We're not going to read it word by word. Like, you know, or was, just just broadly, what's it about? It was investigation into governance of the League of Ireland structures with the main, uh, <laughs> with the major, uh, the main stakeholders in the league. You could probably get paid for that now, actually, if you yeah. put it out there. <laughs> Let's add the Rogers review to the list as well. It's going to be pulled out <laughs> in the next... Uh, paper could take like an excerpt for every day of the next yeah, three well, years. Well, f- football moves on pretty quickly. That's two years old and it's all changed. Did you do course. interviews for that? Sorry, did you uh, interview people as part of that process? No, or was the, it more of a study? Like no, it was, uh, the primary data that I would have collected in it was uh, was surveys that we would have put out in, in, right. um, rather than than interviewing. Who's gotcha. we then? Who's we would have put out the? Uh, that I would have put out. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the royal we. Yeah, the royal yeah. we. Um, but did, uh, I imagine a lot of your conclusions are quite pertinent at this moment. Yeah, I, I like the conclusions were that you know it, it was difficult for the League of Ireland clubs to actually, you know. With the participation agreement being up in 2017, which is the last year, it was difficult for them to kind of take over ownership of the league because they didn't know what the league was was worth in terms of the commercial value. So, it, you would, would I would have been looking or suggesting that a third party come in and run the league in with uh, obviously the league clubs to have an input and obviously the FEI maybe to look at the licensing and run that that side of things between the referees and the licensing. But you know you'd be looking at somebody in the uh, like. I'd be looking at someone from a business background possibly to come in, you know, and use that that knowledge rather than just solely a football person. Obviously, you need football people involved, and, and for their inf- input to be there. But I think you probably need someone from the business world to run run the um, the league as as a you know as a sustainable. Yeah, you need a product. balance. I think you need a balance. I think even in the FEI board generally, you need a balance. You, you maybe you do need one or two from the schools or from a particular background. Like of course, you know, yeah. I think it's a but it's it's two weighted one way. Like there's, there's like at the board at the moment now, there's people um, with all due respect. Like you know, the United Churches League is their background. You know, a couple of them. Like it's a very well represented league at board level. It's not. It's doesn't it? What is the United Church? It's, it's one of the leagues. It's, a, it's primarily a Saturday league in Dublin, isn't it? I think that's what it is. So there's too many <laughs> leagues in Ireland. I mean, like this is another Great thing. Who's there? Uh, there's like 32 schoolboy leagues. What in the in the SFAI in the 26 counties? Like, you know, there's, there's, there's people who are all around the country, and as I said, they've all carried out long service to football, and that's grand and a fair play to them. But like, there is an element of you, you need to make some decisions now that may not be popular. And there's a lot of just there's a lot of uh, personal fiefdoms around the country, you know, and that is that is just our culture. That is Irish football. This is something that that's why like there might be as much as I said is a great opportunity. There might be some testing times ahead. Yeah, Actually, oh, it's, not, it's not going to be an easy. You fix. can't just yeah. like click your fingers and go. Well, this is great. Yeah. you can have some great ideas, but you're going to meet obstacles. And but that's why you need somebody independent on it to look at it objectively and not have their mm. own bias. You know, no, invo- exactly. in, involved. What, in what, the, in what the would you like to see, Shane, in, in in the context of what they've done in in the GEA? Because as much as the GEA is derided um, for maybe being a little bit old-fashioned, it's uber-democratic. Uber-democratic. And you look at the GEA now compared to the absolute car crash that the FAI has been, and it looks, you know, like an absolute Ferrari or whatever. Yeah, it does. And I suppose it's hard to compare the two as well. Like, they have their own problems at club level. You know, the fixtures issue is a problem as well in the GEA. But, you know, they have people who have 
a background, as Gary said, in business, who know how to run an organization, a business, as well as the people who know the game. As I said there, like younger people, you look at like Paul Flynn's the CEO of the GPA. Paul Flynn's a year older than me. Mm. You know, like that wouldn't happen mm. in, in soccer here in this country, you know. But Paul is well equipped to do that role because of the opportunities that he's had, you know, by you know the GPA they have a, a leadership program in place and other things that are educating the lads and, and you know making them comfortable and, and you know so they can step into these roles as well and they know the game they know what players are thinking you know now at, at this the modern the modern day and we haven't got that we haven't had that in the last or ever in this country you know I said mm-hmm. you look at the board you know and the, how long they've stayed the, the age and like some of these guys are really good and we can't be tearing them all with the same brush either no, and, and around absolutely. around the country as well and, and you know so you have to be you have to be careful and I'm, I'm not saying that the council the whole lot of them are, are yeah, of course, the name, yeah, but yeah. again they are a part of the of the of the bigger problem and just one one other thing as well like going forward like the league of ireland are, the players have to be centered to this whether they're league of ireland players uh, female players in in mm. ireland grassroots players going forward and particularly the league of ireland though because the, the senior men's international team is going to need the League of Ireland. It, it has needed it in the last number of years. It's going to need it even more. We're not sending the, the quality of players over to the UK anymore. They're not coming through. You look at the underage lads over in, in, in the UK at the moment. Well, it's either that or the Premier League has just gone so global. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a handful of them like, and even coming back because you know, League of Ireland clubs would look to take boys that are coming back. Obviously, mm. Bowes have taken a lot of boys, but you know, the next age group coming through, there's not many there. So the League of Ireland is going to be central to well, now you the senior team. And, and it to, but it has to be ready for that as well. Mm. And this and is the thing. And, like, you know, it's a good, it, like the timing of this, as I say, like this this opportunity, as I say, to reform has come around at a time when I think people are beginning to recognise the point that Shane has made just there. Even people who've paid no attention to the league, uh, to the league before. I think also within the league as well, you have to accept that you don't need to have done years of service to the League of Ireland to have a say in the League of Ireland because that is almost the same mindset that says someone who's been representative of such and such a league for 14 years has earned their service you know, on the FAI board. It doesn't matter if someone coming in didn't go to the league. We need them. Uh, you know, three yeah. years ago. It doesn't matter if a businessman <coughs> comes in who had previously invested in another club in England or Scotland or America or something. Like, uh, you have to get over that. Like, as long you know. as they're getting the relevant input from people, like from football people as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're taking on board the ideas you know, that come from a board level and then they're implementing, implementing them because that's the whole... That's the whole point of having a CEO in there at the top. Yeah, it's to it's to get generate all the ideas and put in place the best the best uh, structures and, and put them into practice. Like uh, like you say now, for at the minute, with um with the way things have gone in in the league, you've got the under 13, 15, 17, and nineteen. So education, as well, uh, is going to be a massive part mm. because educating these players, players are not going away now, because what you're hoping that they're not going to go away now, and and that the league will will build on the fact that we. Uh, all clubs are going to have or have to have academies and you want to have the best coaches and in how place. much is the government going to be key in that well it, I suppose it, it's all going to cost money because to run all these different different um, academies ca- so. academies mm. and uh, all the clubs 30 or 35 grand to, one, to, to run one, one like the under 13s yeah. one age group like one team so Bowes or Rovers or Dundalk it costs that much to run that team for the year like, it so still, it still should be nothing that. though Do you know what I mean? 35 grand in, in, in this country but should be nothing for something like that it just what annoys me is that we've just become ex- we've accepted the fact that there's no money in the League of Ireland when it shouldn't be like that well, there should be a lot more money around the clubs and there still, is money in this country yeah. clubs are still dependent on, on, on um, people coming in the gates 
Like yeah. and, and, and lotto, lotto money. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's it's just, it's as little as that. It's like th- there has to be a proper structure where the government is putting money in, and also there's proper. But prize when we're going looking for these grants, are we putting together um, a package mm. um, that the likes of the GA are putting together? Our rugby, no way. Mm. I can't imagine that those guys going in are putting together packages that they say we deserve this money. Mm-hmm. I I think we get less funding maybe from some of the, the the grants that are provided from you know. Minister Ross or whoever, yeah. you know, take Sport Ireland out of it. But I think the rugby lads, the GA lads, because they're more trustworthy, they're putting together better presentations to say how this money is going to be used. Or I don't know what our lads are capable of going in and doing that. Yeah, like, and, and the other thing, I mean, in fairness, like the system, and you, you're like, it's good to have two good guests who are also very steeped in GA as well. And so, you know, how that works. And, and funny enough, like, you know, GA has like a parish. You know, system and that like growing up, even in Loud Ride, like each club had a clubhouse and stuff like that. You know, generally they've been well served, and obviously, you know, central from from HQ, there's yeah. obviously a way in which it's done. And then I'm talking about in in from the soccer end of things that I think there's been an element of divide and conquer in terms of the strategy that there probably haven't been clubs working together. Everything it's about this going here. It's about Duncanon getting mm. someone down to do the sand sculpting festival. You know, it's about. You know, rather than a central strategy of deciding where best should funds be distributed, it's very much on a basis of this club has put. And maybe it's like that in, in GA too. I, I suppose when you look at, it, I'm looking at my. I'm thinking when you said that about parish. Um, I'm looking at my own parish, and we have three Gaelic football pitches in our parish, and we haven't got one soccer pitch. And and the soccer pitch is currently being developed, and that's what the I, same. In, in, you know, yeah. like there's three Gaelic football pitches, and they all, all, have a all, go, all have a clubhouse, good facilities, and um, the one beside me has a gym in it as well. So it, it it's like I, I and even at, at the minute, I know that soccer in the parish is on the up, and there's I had to do the presentation recently. There's 200 kids playing soccer, whereas it all came from. I remember I. I was probably involved in one of the first underage teams. There was only one team. There was fourteen of us playing soccer. In the I was the same. I was in the, in, like in, in and the flip side of that. I grew up. There was only one team, and it was my age group. And it was like so. We when we were under eleven, we were under, and then we went up to 12s, 13s, 14s. And if someone was two years younger, they didn't have a team to play. But like the thing about it is that there was people who kept the show on the road during mm-hmm. that time, and a lot of those people are the people who ended up like running leagues or involved in leagues, and that's why they're the people that are there after like 20, 30 years. And there's a discomfort in like. They 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 flew the flag during the times when there was nothing sure. there. So that's why it's not easy to just say like people, my, ah, your 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 time is up. My local like, club know? at home, Shivan Rovers, has been club of the year in Ireland, and a lot of people down there would have great things to say about John Delaney. And it's that's how random it is, you know. Shivan Rovers, John Delaney was good to my club. He came down and blah 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 blah. They're only seen it from their own point of view. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, the problem, and that's that's rampant like he, across he, the he small. Came, he came down and gave them government money, like yeah. you know, it, it's it's taxpayers' money. And the same, same, same with the homeless thing that's going on at the moment. If it doesn't affect me, it's not happening. Do you know? Yep. And it's the same with the clubs down there yeah. that he's looking after, that he's going down opening pitches for, giving them whatever it is. So Michael Healy Ray. Like. Yeah. It's not if it's not happening to us then. You know, we're getting the you know the fruits from it then. So there was a very, uh, there yeah. was a very telling line on that Tip FM podcast <coughs> with the one interview that Delaney did recently during this this thing. And uh, he was being lauded by the presenter. In fairness the presenter is like doing his job, fair enough, you know. Presenters and podcasts don't always, you know, they're not always the most polished individuals, John. <laughs> but and the rest. Uh, but they were they were lauding they were lauding um, John Delaney for having a, a, 
attended a Division Three final that day, you know, which I mean really has nothing doesn't make him a good CEO going to watch a Division Three final. Like really, like you know, it's good if the president goes, but it doesn't make him a good CEO. So uh, our executive vice president he was at the time because he was juggling three he jobs. Still is, course. isn't he? He's yeah, he's still he's, he's, he's still he's still on the payroll yeah. as John Tracy said yesterday. Yeah. Um, but the point is, I went back to the studio and I was like, well, I know a lot of people say their things about John Delaney, but you know, League of Ireland club, as far as I'm concerned, they can fight their own battles. And that is that was that's the mindset. And I'm like, you know, I'm sure there's people in League of Ireland clubs have been very guilty of that as well. Yeah, we can be quite you know, self-serving. We can, can, we can be very much like that. You know, we, you know, we'll take our thing and screw bows, or we'll take our thing and screw rovers, or whatever. Like, you know, there's there's always going to be, and that's always been a traditional problem mm. when clubs even have tried to get together in sure. the past that they're fighting for themselves. We, and, I, and I don't know how you actually we like, do have to cure um, that. But I'll say one yeah. thing, one last thing on this before we should talk about, talk about football matters. We but, have to get on with our lives. Yeah, but where <laughs> it, where but where it got but where it got to a serious level, of course, now is that the the large the large scale sports project suddenly been vulnerable because of this mm. and all of a sudden then you do have a scenario where these projects such as um, you know Daily Mountain I know the Dublin City Council are, are pushing and Finn Park United yeah, Park Finn Park you know the draw, draw the Glanmire and stuff and all of a sudden like this is when it went to another level as well over the last That's couple of days and like I, I you know there, there have been people involved in some of those clubs who I would have had issues with to be honest in terms of their reluctance or the way in which they were beholden in my view to to you know why. to to the yeah to mm. to the cult of Delaney and uh, people who at other times have spoken very well about the league and I just couldn't see this blind spot I couldn't, but obviously they're minding their patch and it's good for them and their personal reactions. But when now the refusal to accept responsibility for problems over the last month has led to this, these things being placed in jeopardy, I think they'll be okay. I think from, from what I was hearing yesterday, uh, because, the, but you just realize like some people just didn't see it. Yeah, but I, 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 I don't know, okay, fair I enough. Need to move beyond that. There's no, yeah, there's no point so, gloating for them, either. You know? And I know you said they were minding their patch, but like, Talk about the amount of League of Ireland clubs and officials who've said anti, you know, FEI stuff, anti Lady stuff. They were afraid to because they knew like they yeah. could be punished. And that's that's how dictatorships work. It's culture of fear across the organization. Loads of fawning subordinates who only now realise that they were pawns in the whole operation. But briefly, twenty twenty, what what's the League of Ireland going to look like? Oh, no idea at this stage. It's it's because we were there was going to be a change, but Gary could have mean that the relationship with the FEI, the new FEI, is is a lot different to what was envisaged maybe two months ago. Yeah, I think so. I think that you look, you look from all of this, you'd imagine that there's going to be reform on the way, and it's about getting the right the right uh, people in place and and having you know the right opinions and and the right skill set in order to you know to bring the league forward. You know, it's just what has gone on in the past it hasn't been good enough, I suppose, from a League of Ireland perspective. And I think you know the terraces were well aware of of the issues throughout the whole thing, and and their voices have been you know. I've been turned to be right now, and yeah, I think they d- they deserve a lot of credit. Um, in hindsight, Shel- Shelburne fans who actually yeah. there's a song that's been doing the rounds which we can't repeat, but it was Shelburne fans who were singing that mm. song a long time ago, and they felt that they were harshly treated in terms of uh, their plight. And yeah, you know. I, I I think there is a message from this that fans' voices can help. You know, what happened in Turner's Cross was a massive, massive publicity um, own goal from whoever was involved, um, but also just in terms of the PFAI, how damaging has it been? How bad the relationship with the FAI has become? from your perspective well it hasn't I, I've probably been on it the last number of years and Gary probably knows a lot more than I do but in terms of engaging like you look at the fixtures this month in particular like Gary's saying he's got eight games this month you know and we try to engage with him you know at the back end of last season with a view to looking at the fixtures for this season and there was no 
you know, forthcoming engagement with us at all. Um, and that's just wrong. Like, you know, it's it shouldn't be about anyone. It's again, it's about the players. You know, at the end of the day, the players and the fans they go to watch it, and that's why if you don't have them, you don't have a game. And simple as that. So yeah, and without filling you lads with like grovelling platitudes, what the players in the League of Ireland have done to keep the show on the road and perform at the level that they have, despite being shat on by above, I think is is actually quite extraordinary. To be as professional as you've been, despite the utter disdain that you've been treated with from above. Well, some lads probably know no different. <laughs> you know, so that's it's just. You, you, it becomes an normal. Yeah. You get used to it. I think, like we did, we raised that point about about fixtures last year because the fixture congestion last year is, and it's again, it's the same this year. This month there's eight. We've eight mm-hmm. games this month. Like we have the longest off season in in Europe, with the exception, I think, of Finland. Finland, yeah. I think yeah. it is. So like there, there is room there, obviously, to move and expand the season now. You know, that's not all the FBI though. That's clubs as no, well. That's yeah, clubs yeah, yeah. As well. But like, it is the club's fault, but it's the club's fault because they've no money coming in because there's no prize money, no TV money. Do you know what I mean? So it, they it, have to it, generate their it, own it money. It is an it is a knock on. It's a knock on thing, and there has to be some collaboration between the clubs, the players, uh, and the FEI or the governing body, whatever the makeup of that new governing body will be, in order to improve things. And obviously, you know, the fixture congestion that we're facing right now. Um, you know, it's not ideal and it's not good for player welfare either. Yeah. And you know, you you look at clubs and and the injuries that they may sustain throughout the period. Like the, the league definitely needs to be stretched out. Whether it's uh, and affects revenue streams whichever, as well. Gary, you, you look at the yeah. drop off in intensity. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 The other thing really. I say, I'm going back a small bit, but the one thing I would say about that the, the, the crisis the last couple of weeks it just struck me there. Like, look at the amount of public comment that has generated. I know that's a bad thing. But I think also, in some respects, it's a good thing in the way that, I mean, for years, like, politicians were asleep at the wheel when it came to some of this stuff, too. That They've got engaged in it now, uh, and they've got some, maybe some good publicity off the back of it. <laughs> but they have to, like, they have to look at that. And, and I think we look at it as a positive and go, it just goes, so there are a lot of people who are energised by FEI topics. And, like, the game will be okay. Like, this belief was created that you could only ever get money, and you could only ever get stadiums, and you could only only ever get funding or you could only ever have relations with UEFA if certain people were there it's not true it's an illusion it's a complete illusion mm-hmm. and I think that that like if people just need to realise that don't think oh god like we'll never get anything now yeah. like, that's a mindset that people have been conditioned into I think over the beauty of, of that is as well you'd Michael Healy raise like such a self-serving performance where that's what you're dealing with or you can deal with Imelda Munster and Jonathan O'Brien from Sinn Féin who carried themselves so well and I, I mightn't be a Sinn Féin fan but I came out of that saying you've represented uh, you know your party so well in this really really well and Jonathan O'Brien what yeah, an outstanding you know and the way he dealt with the Turner's Cross incident he was like I don't want to admit about this but that's where it we're just at just shows you the benefit of having someone that knows, knows sport as well you know, totally. involved in that and our yeah. minister and, and such a League of Ireland background but I genuinely would love if there was a mole out there who could tell us like how much money have the clubs been putting into the league how much has the league been in terms of net worth are we contributors or are we actually are we producing money that we're not getting back ourselves? Not to mind prize money. I'd Maybe. love to know that. Another review for that, probably, Johnny. Yeah, anyway. Let's review last... I, I can't even remember football anymore. Um, <laughs> well, I haven't been to any games. So <laughs> I haven't been to any games. I'm looking forward oh, to you. Two games. I'm looking forward to you telling me what happened. Two games. <laughs> um, starting off with uh, last Friday, Sligo to Dundalk 1. Gary Rogers. We'll move on to him on. There's actually been a lot of games, Johnny. Yeah. We're not going to be able yeah. to go UCD through every game this, here, Johnny. UCD nil Derry let's 2. There's an awful lot to talk about in, I know, in but let's just... Like, UCD, all right, Dan. All right. Yeah. You know, I know you've been, you know, 
at the coal face, <laughs> and, you know, you've been leading the change, played a blinder at half time in the Oroctus thing by all accounts. Got a few politicians to ask more pertinent questions. Cork City won, St. Pat's won. Uh, Shamrock Rovers 2 Watford 1 that was the game I was at and Finn Harp private discussion I think Shamrock anyway, Finn Harp yeah. I'm going to laud you on that yeah, I, think yeah. you, I think you played your part Finn Harp's nil Bowes 1 and then on Monday night Dundalk 1 Bowes nil uh, Pats 1 Derry 3 UCD 2 Cork 1 Sligo nil Watford nil Dan have, you haven't actually been at you've I haven't been, been a game busy. the last two, two weekends no. um, the event into contributes no <laughs> <laughs> like, well no I think I did you read Monday's results there as well? Did you get I through did. them? Yeah, I think. I, Dan, you're lost. I'm all over shop. I think from like the, the, the general title race perspective, I think that's a big goal that Dundalk got on Monday night late yeah. because things were just getting a bit sticky in terms of. I mean, Rovers have been very good, and they were they're getting away, and I think that was probably a big, big, big couple of points there for you Monday night, Gary. What do you think? Yeah, look, it was. But let's a... reflect firstly on the Sligo <laughs> game. <laughs> Football moves on. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was an important goal. I think you know Bohemians came up to our place. They were they were excellent on the night and seven changes. Yeah, well, we had a few changes ourselves, but yeah, I think you know it goes to show that the squad that they have and the strength and depth of the young players that are coming through and the job that Keith has done there over the last number of years. Um, so it's credit to them, you know, where where they're at. But from our own point of view, we are obviously delighted to pick up the win. And was you know, it a penalty? Yeah, absolutely. A ref, I think the ref gave it as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, it, it was it was certainly a penalty, and uh, we were grateful that Pat took away in the back of the net. And uh, it, it's an important one for us, you know, and we can build momentum off the back of it. Obviously, look, you can build momentum as long as you go and win on, on Friday night. And we've a uh, big game at home to Finn Harps and. Um, we'd be obviously hoping to, to pick up more points. How much pressure were you feeling as you know ten minutes left in that game? I think you'd one shot on target at that stage. Uh, it was a game you really did need to win. Yeah, well, I think you know the the lads really um, stuck at it, and I think mm. the fact that we get we, we go and get uh, the winning goal in the ninety second minute, I think it was, you know, shows that how hard how, how hard the team was working in order to get the results. So like that that spirit that's in the group. And has been in the group over over the last number of years. It, it's certainly still there. So, um, look, we can obviously build on that, and that's what we look to do in the, over the next next few weeks. Bowes made seven changes uh, in the game, and they'd gone into the game. They conceded three goals, second in the table. Uh, the only team to beat Shamrock Rovers so far mm-hmm. this season. Um, as much as we, we bemoan like the lack of prize money, the fact that Bowes probably had to use some young players over the last season or two is really standing to them. It seems shame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I said those lads have been up around the first team for the last number of years. So Keith and Trevor obviously have no fear of throwing them in at the deep end. You know, up at Dundalk, not an easy place to go on a on a Monday night. So, um, but they know what they can do, and they they showed that the other night. By all accounts, I was listening to the game, and they were they were excellent, and and probably deserved a a draw over at least. Um. Unfortunately, but they've been going great this season. I've I've seen them on a number of occasions, and a lot of boys have stepped up. What do you um, make of your replacement, Talbot? Yeah, he's done fantastically. He's well. a postman. He is. He's uh, he's actually delivered around my area a couple of times before as well. I bumped into him. Uh, he dropped in for a cup of tea. Um, he's done really well. He was working. James. Huh? Where he was working. He was on the break. Um, he's done really well. Um, bit of a character. Games. Good character. Great lad. You know, and a perfect fit for Bohemians. Um, again, you know, he's not too far from the area, but he he just gets what the club is about and he's slotted in there not a bother to him I think he's managed to keep a lot more clean sheets than I ever yeah. did <laughs> who do you like in terms should have retired of around six months earlier <laughs> who do you like in terms of the players that are coming through Kirk gave away the penalty yeah, yeah. Paddy's a great lad again and he's you know he deserves a chance he, it's been difficult for him he's behind Darley who's been excellent since he's come into the club and uh, probably in a lot of other clubs Paddy will be a regular you know in that position so um, I'm delighted that he's getting an opportunity unfortunately for penalty tonight um, the likes of you know Levinson that's come back from, from Wolves as well 
Finnerty's really impressed me. He's gone about his business quietly. Um, and, and James Finnerty as well. Um, I was a bit surprised at how comfortable James has looked in there. And I think playing alongside Rob Cornwall, he's another one that's really stepped up to the mark this year and taken on that responsibility and leadership that was, you know, vacated by Ian Morris. Um, and Rob's been, been unbelievable. I haven't seen him do anything wrong all, all, all year. Um, do you miss it? Yeah. <laughs> it's hard going down there on a Friday night and, and not getting, you know, stepping out into the pitch and not being in the dressing room. But, you know, such is life. So at least I can go down and, and watch the games. Yeah, um, I got him. Danny Mandrea was impressive on Monday night as well. He's another one. He's a, he's a, he's a talent. Like, you mm. know, he looks to have ability. He shows he has, and I think is it, is it, it could be in flashes at time, mm. but that might be the yeah. The he's area lacking he's that, you know, probably consistency, and, and mm. that would probably come in time. He hasn't played, you know, football at this men's level before, so um, again, he's in a great place to learn the game and develop. And, and Trevor, I know, is on to him and will be on to him constantly in the training pitch. And, and the guys there, like said, Derek Pender and, and Keith Buckley, you know, they um, they're great as well to have around you and to, you know to push him on and hopefully. You know his talent will, will will come true in the end. He can get that bit of consistency because he is he is a talent. You know, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Gary, you've you've probably, you've played every team now. I would think at this stage uh, yeah. you'd be through around the games. <coughs> I mean, is is a top four finish for Bowes like Europe? Is that possible now? It's starting to get they're starting to get a level of consistency now where I think it's you know it's it's yeah, it's, it's, a, abso- it's not absolutely out of yeah. at all. Yeah, very impressive the other night. I think they were they were excellent, and you consider then the amount of changes. But you look at you look at uh, Bohemians as a club and. You know, the underage structure that they have in place and the pathway to go and play adult football, senior football, these are all young lads that are cutting their teeth and mm-hmm. they're playing, you know, proper games that mean that mean a lot, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to academy games over in England and then getting shipped back here to Ireland, and possi- yeah. possibly. So, you know, I think, you know, what Bohemians have done as a club um, under age, through the underage as well and, and now they're giving these lads opportunities. They're probably a little bit football. further down the line than some of the other clubs in that regard as yeah. well. You know, they had Ian Morris in there. You yeah, and they have the Kevin's, the Kevin's well. Yeah, and Alan Caffrey well, and Kevin's massive, come in. That, that, that has been a, a massive, you know, influence as well and, and, and they'll continue to get stronger on that front and it's, you know, up to the other clubs then to, you know, the likes of the Pats and the other Dublin clubs as well as around the country. You see some results in the 13s league and, you know, the clubs down the country are getting hockeyed. Know, hockeyed. And yeah. it's, you know, it's kind it's of, that's not, not necessarily good either. You know? No, it's not. It's not. So, um, you know, it's, uh, that'll take time to, to iron itself out and, and hopefully it can in time. But mm. it's it's not ideal for the clubs. But, you know, looking at the, the league table and Derry back up there again this year, you know, Derry would compare similar to, to the Bohemians as well. And in that kind of, Parish maybe mentality yeah, that they, they, yeah. they have or that they've you know managed to develop um, this season since the you know the change in management and that going forward they saw them against Bowes and they have some lovely you know players and they're starting to get that back again the local lads coming through maybe and that's I think that's what they're they're all about. Just on Kevin Deary or on Derry rather spoke to, I spoke to Kevin Deary after the win over St Pat's on a Monday night and I discussed that game and also with a view to the game upcoming against Shamrock Rovers which is live on Friday night. Kevin, that's an excellent win. You know, you came down here, you made changes. You're playing a Pats team that obviously has a bit of confidence, and you were comfortable. No, we were. I just said the offline there. We were disappointed. We will be disappointed in the second half display. We, we never really put our foot on it. Managed the game against ten men. It's um, it's been a, a regular occurrence because Van Hurst went down to ten men and they did, and we sort of lost our way a wee bit. But we were comfortable in the game, and um, some pass through everything at us and long balls and that. So you won different ways in this league and. You have to be happy coming out here and six points in the 72 hours is a great turnaround for us. Smashing first 15-20 minutes the way you played. Yeah, no, we listen, we've been in a couple of couple of bad surfaces in recent weeks in Bally Buffet and obviously last week down in UCD Bowl um, didn't allow us to play our game but you've seen the night, mostly in the first half I know the first 20 minutes we got a lot of goals but first half we passed the ball really well and 
we have to learn how to manage games and control games whenever we have an advantage of men. Yeah, just the guy Bruno in midfield, hadn't seen much of him, but the quality of the second goal. Ah, uh, Herdy, you want him on for the TV cameras. Listen, we've good competition. As I said, they were a brand new group. We're still getting to know each other and um, we're learning. And listen, it's a great, it's a great three points, and we're and we're looking forward to Shamrock Rovers now. Yeah, your attitude compared to last season, you were very disappointed towards the end of last season. You had different management, new players come in, and a different attitude. Well, that's it. Hey, we're all from the city. Um, we all represented the club for a lot of your career. Well, all of my career, Declan's been there. A lot of his career, so Paddy's been there, Murray's been there, so we all know what it is to represent the city. It's not just a football club, it's a city who we're representing, and we'll play with passion and fight for the jersey this season. How are you working with Dickie? Great, I was Declan's captain, um, fortunately, and he's asked me to come in the system, so it's, um, it's, a, it's a good team we have, and the players deserve all the credit, because they're a brand new group and they're giving everything this. How much could you do this season? Because you have Rovers. If you beat Rovers, you're five points behind with the game in hand. I know it's early days. No, it's very early days. We don't know where we're going. Um, we're targeting each game. We, we're trying to play their maximum every game and pick up points. And listen, we have 20 points from 10 games uh, ten games tonight. So it's a great turnaround for us, a new group. And we look forward to Shamrock Rovers. But not only that, we can look forward to it as well. It's live on TV. Um, you know, there's going to be a bumper crowd at the Brandywell, possibly sold out. You're playing a team that's running away with the league at the moment. Absolutely. No, Shamrock, Shamrock Rovers deserve a lot of credit. Everyone's speaking about them. Um, as you say, we played them on Friday night. We had a chance of going five points behind them in the game in hand. And we're coming under the radar. So we're just delighted with what we're getting out of these group of players. And we look forward to a home crowd and good Friday. And hope it's a good day for us. Just lastly, Kevin, what impressed me was the, the guys you had on the bench uh, to come into the team on Friday as well, potentially. Absolutely. And not only that, we have Jamie McDonough missing. We have Aidy Delap missing. We have Conor McDermott missing. So we have a good, young, vibrant squad. And, um, and as I say, who knows? We're, we're doing our best. And... At the moment, well, I feel until from what the end of last season, Derry were getting till now, there's a big improvement there. And you also feel you can do better than you did in Tala? Oh, absolutely. I think there was nothing in that game, and Shamrock Rovers found a way of getting two goals. Um, we were disappointed to get down to 10 men and concede a soft penalty. So, let, listen, we, we go up there, Brandy, well, we have our home support behind us, and we have to have a go at Shamrock Rovers. Thanks a million. No bother. Top man, Kevin. All right, see you again, we will discuss uh, Cork City as well um, and the struggles that they've been having. But let's just firstly talk about um, Derry City on the back of that. Um, I don't know if, what you've made of them, lads, but they made quite a few changes the other night. Um, McNamee, the captain, didn't start. Um, Delap, uh, McDonough, I don't think were available. Uh, Connor McCormick, Connor McDermott wasn't available. This is some uh, insightful analysis here, John. I'm just because I'm, uh, Derry was obviously actually about there. I was to get, yeah. these were players sorry that weren't playing um, and I'm, I'm rehashing a bit on the interview here but they brought in a couple of players that hadn't uh, played much they were absolutely fantastic um, Brendan Clark won't be happy with the first goal but Derry Derry's performance was pretty much as good as I've seen bar maybe Rovers at the best of the season um, I don't know what you've made of them Shane yeah no I, I saw it against Bowes um, this season I think it was a draw um, it was one all yeah was one all at the yeah. end and yeah, they, they, they had a couple of lads that you know stood out in Harkin in particular yeah. in the middle of the park like the stuff that he does that you don't necessarily recognise you know his reading of the game is excellent he's so slight as well yeah breaking things up and then he's get, he's able to play as well you know and um, he really impressed me and I know there's been a, a lot of talk about him already you know at this stage of the, of the season he's a young enough guy still as well so but they have really impressed me because you weren't sure why they might they might go with Declan coming back in and that but he seems to have really galvanised things and I said get that kind of 
you know, parish mentality going up there and what Derry will be famous famous for having and, and, and why they'd, they'd have success in the past as well. So they seem to have got it, got it right and they're going in the right direction. The guy who took the free kick, the second goal, um, I think he's from Latin America. Oh, Gerardo Bruna. Bruna, yeah, yeah who's yeah. been on the books with Real Madrid. He's Argent- Argentine, I think, yeah. Ar- yeah, um, he, he looked, I couldn't believe I hadn't seen him. He was absolutely excellent and uh, the qu- technical quality of the... He was at Liverpool, I think, when he was younger, but yeah. he, was at, uh, he was in Spain um, as well. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's quite uh, good, I think, for the league, Dan, that they're playing Rovers on Friday because um, I was at Rovers against Watford the other night and I just, I can't see them not win the league to be honest um, they're not conceding any chances uh, Jack Byrne was just totally different gravy I, if you haven't seen him play just go along to tell it was very enjoyable and uh, there was one moment in the game where he played this like rake and sort of 50 yard ball across the pitch and the Rovers fans like barely even clapped and I was just like lads you haven't won the league since 2011 it's Rovers fans have some mentality that they just expect these you know wins like routine wins and I was like Jack Byrne has just played a passer that would have been a Premier League pass and the Rovers fans just like nah they just got they've already <laughs> well, got the next three games the next three games are you know Derry away Bowes Dundalk so that's a that's a big run of games. Mm. If the dog hadn't gotten that win on what was it Monday night, Tuesday night, Monday night, uh, was the league effectively? No, because the dog has left to play Rovers like three times. But like, so no. But I think it would have been a ma- like. There's mm. something about the barrier and like you know, like the in 2017 got a long way behind. You know, and that that leaves you a challenge. But now Cork went on an exceptional run. The Rovers run isn't as good as that but in some ways it's like it's it's still pretty damn good like they've lost once but they, they're winning they're not doing these draws like they've nine wins you know so they've done this without their striker scoring goals as well which yeah, is a mad, yeah. a mad thing yeah. Aaron so, Green like, a great they, game Friday night, they, they have a great chance like this is this is an amazing chance but they still have a tough run of games and they have to you know play the teams around them I mean they play the three teams below them in their next three games so that, like, at the end of that at the end of the month as such we're going to have a great idea of of where they're at, and it may well, it might well be that it is their year. But I, I guess, I mean, I suppose in, from the Dundalk perspective, they did have Shields and McElhenney back on the pitch the other night. Mm. Obviously, tried a new friend a formation at the start, maybe didn't quite click, and they're maybe trying to find their way a bit. Um, and I guess Dundalk probably need to be right for Rovers coming to town when they do. Um, but it's, I suppose it's, by, no, it's yeah. by no means like I, I just wouldn't be getting. I wouldn't be getting ahead of myself and making how, how much is how much is life? Um, I think year zero was produced as one thing that we should be year zero from now on in terms of what's year zero post Stephen Kenny though from dogs. It must be quite different. Yeah, well, look, it's obviously different not having Steve, not having Stephen around the place. I think you look. I think it's well documented how how influential he has been as a manager. Um, and you know he'll continue to do so with the uh, with the Ireland under twenty ones and potentially the senior job or will be with the senior job in a couple of years. But like I think you know the the group of players that he left behind you know are, are still there. And then you know you've you've Vinny and he's brought in John Gill with Rory Higgins. So the, how does the, it work? Can you can you give us any explanation? Because people ask me who is the manager there. Is I say, I don't know. I I mean I think Vinny gave the interview after the Sligo game. It was the first time I'd seen him do a post match interview. Uh, I think. Johnny, everyone knows who, who's in charge. Of the how team. does how does it work? What is John? What's John Gill's role? They work together. Okay, as that's a team. That, an, that answers that question. Yeah, I, I don't L- know. Like that. we work together as a team. Yeah. How will Stephen Kenny get on the Ireland job? I think he'll do very well. You think he will? Yeah. No absolutely. worries about managing players that wouldn't have come through. You know, he, he wouldn't have been picked by him or anything like that. No, I don't think so. I think like Stephen has been has been a brilliant man manager. I think when when players turn up for international duty. They want to play for Ireland and they want to do as well as they can for their country. And I think Stephen will be able to, 
I suppose, bring that along and, and stamp his authority and his style of play upon that. And I think he'll do very well. Uh, what do you make of the title race so far? Um, You'd love I, Rovers to win the league, obviously. I just worry about it, you know, that if they if they do get that far ahead, um, just it's not going to be as an exciting league, you know. When we had the likes of Dundalk and Cork, obviously competing, it's it's a lot more exciting, you know. And it's, it is it's still early days. I think if, we, if they get through this month on Scave, you'd be a little bit, you know, where are they going to just, you know, coast it in the end? Um, but hopefully. Um, Gary can get his act together and Dundalk and hmm. always can continue to, to kick on as well. On, on, on goalkeepers, I was making this point to Gary, um, the better goalkeepers in the league are generally in, in their advanced years, as it were. That's, a good, that's a good number. <laughs> 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 Yourself, Manus and Clark, to name but three. Uh, kudos to the Watford keeper for his unbelievable head off the ground, that's by the way. In Connor, Connor, Connor yeah. unbelievable. Improvised. What, what's the standard of goalkeeping like in the League of Ireland now from looking uh, from the outside in? Um, I think the I worry about it coming through like the young lads coming through to be honest you know I think there's a lot more of experienced goalkeepers in the league uh, and they're they're hanging on <laughs> and, and hanging on um, so I just worry about what's you know what's coming through is, is the quality coming through I'm Mark sure. McNulty as well obviously yeah Mark's there as well a long time you know Peter Cherry as well um, so these kind of guys and they have been around a long time but there's not many James obviously at Bowes now coming through he's 22 years of age and um, but there's just not too many young lads um, coming through that you think oh that could be the next you know Gary Rogers Mark McNulty you know or, or whatever so I, w- I would worry and for the international team as well I, I'd worry you know you can talk about the likes of Quevey and Keller and Gavin, um, guess, Gavin yeah. yeah and um, Mark Travers at, at Bournemouth yeah. but they haven't played first team football um, Mark's played a little bit maybe down conference Gavin level, has yeah um, well Gavin played four games for, for Rovers he played more he, than that know, didn't he I don't think he did about 10 games he did, he? did he yeah, it's a while ago now. Like, yeah, yeah, you just worry about the lack of, of first team football for for those guys as well, you know, coming through and to really progress because it's the only way, especially for a goalkeeper, you need to play, you need to be playing first team football and getting that experience um, and, and making the mistakes in the games, you know, and it's it's the only way. So I just I would worry a little bit. You what know, do you make, Vicari? Well, like like I be I would agree with Shane in terms of you need to be playing football. Um, like uh, Keevin, you know, has been doing great, and Mark Travers, you know, but they're playing. They're not playing first team football. So, like, are you going to put them into the international senior team, and they haven't played, you know, a first team game for the club? I think that's unlikely. So, I think you, you've got to be looking at lads who are playing week in, week out for the club, whatever level that may be. Whether it's well, obviously, I'd love to see it be in League of Ireland, but whether it's the, the Scottish League or uh, the Championship, like like Westwood, I know it has been brilliant this year. It's and, finally and come back. Yeah, yeah. And, and Randolph's probably got and, years left. Yeah. Of them. you know that's the thing. Yeah, and, and Darren has, has been excellent for Ireland, done really well. So look, we're, we're kind of probably lucky at the minute that we've two. You know, how re- good is Darren re- Randolph put, actually? Like the two lads are excellent, really, really good. Like consistent, like yeah. Darren's really consistent. You know, you watch him at Middlesbrough as well, and that's the big thing for a keeper. You know that consistency, and and he has that, and it's taken him a while to get to. You know, and he, you can say he got in by chance at the Germany game that time, but he's he's held on to it since then. We, we have to it. talk about Cork, Johnny. Yeah, um, um, the only thing the only thing John Caulfield has in his favour at the moment is that everything else is happening, and the stuff at Turner's Cross actually matched the performance to Jonathan O'Brien's stuff. Um, and then we this amazing instance at UCD, which just has come onto social media the last couple of days. Where it appears he's had some sort of an altercation with Gary Buckley. Disagreement with Gary Buckley. Well, I only, I only just watched that when I come in here because I've been in, in, in my own zone. For the last um, three weeks. But, yeah, I mean, it's not great when that happens. I suppose if anywhere like UCD, you can sort of, you know, you can hear and see everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And 
Well, well, I was it's amazing that I hadn't heard about this and nobody's heard about this but, I mean, today because there's nobody at the game. That's probably. that's an episode that's bad, but I mean, just forget about that. Just forget you about can't that. forget about that. No, no, but no, you know, I'm just saying. I'm not saying you can't forget about it. I'm just saying they were one up at five minutes ago and they lost away to UCD. I mean, with that's, that's grim. You know, that's really grim. But they were they were eleven men against ten for over half the game yeah. against Pats. Like they've lost, they've lost half their matches. You know, they've lost half their games, and they've probably lost as many games now as they've. Uh, I'd, I'd even say a couple of the seasons where they came second to the dock. I'd imagine they maybe lost maybe six, seven games. I'm saying that when I haven't looked, but I can't imagine. You know, their points tallies at times were actually very good. Just that the dogs were. You know they were they were very high, you know. Whereas now, uh, we spoke about this the last time. And I'm like, I just you know he's he's got a lot of credit in the bank from what he's done. But if it looks like there's a possibility that a club won't get into Europe now, the way things are going, then people will have a discussion because Europe is the king, you know. The and Europe the mad thing is, is they're playing Watford and Alan Reynolds on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. In Watford, this coming Friday, both on uh, both on eleven points each. So uh, you know the way the results go this weekend. If a team loses that match, um, they could they they could find themselves in, in second from bottom if if teams pick up points elsewhere. You what know? did you make of them, Gary? I, th- I mean, they were I thought Cork were dreadful against Dundalk, but they were worse against Rovers, and they've they haven't won either of their games since either. Yeah, well, I, have, I obviously can only go off our, our own game, and obviously it would look it was a one 0 win for us, which we were happy with. I think you know, anytime we play Cork, there's always that edge to it because of the rivalry that there has been for a num- for, for for the last five or six years, and uh, I think you'll still you'll still get that every time we play them. I haven't, I didn't see the. They didn't play a glove on you though. Yeah, well, look, there's only there's only a kick of a ball in it, so um, I think we we played quite well on the day, and we probably could have could have won by more, but. Like say Cork, Cork will still be there thereabouts. It is early days yet. You look, you're looking at ten games. Cork will in. not be there thereabouts. If eleven points from ten games, <laughs> that means they'll be. They'll That's be. a footballer's answer, John. Hang, hang, at the moment, Gary Rogers at, not going to come moment, in and say Cork. See, nah, at the moment, Cork are more likely to finish second last than third. The way they're playing, they've they've eleven points from ten games. UCD are improving. Sligo are definitely getting better. Uh, they're playing Watford the other night, so Cork will be second last by Saturday. There's, there's no way they'll be there thereabouts. The way they're going. Well, the way you're talking, they need to bother turning up. You yeah. already got the beat. Bloody hell, Gary! Too much, too many diplomatic answers. Bows are playing UCD on Friday as well. Just with should be asking Supple. He's not playing anymore. He can, he can, <laughs> what are you asking? He was the media. Supple, he was the Supple, media Supple, band. Supple, yeah, Cork are done, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I'd worry about. I would have worried about them last year and oh, coming into this season. Um, I'm watching them. I've only seen them a couple of times now this year. So. Um, I don't think uh, the, the players they have and the system that they're playing I don't think they're playing to a lot of the players' strengths I think they are better they have better players than what they're shown um, but for whatever reason things are not are not happening for them for them this year and it's worrying um, looking at it You can hear more analysis from that from Shane next, this coming Tuesday on Air Sports <laughs> when he makes his punditry debut yes, he's, no gonna, he's just going to get stuck in from the start What's you your know? expectation for him as a pundit? I think, I think he'll, go, he'll go reasonably well I mean, he, will he turn up in a tux? That's the big question he turned up, he turned <laughs> That's up Gary's fault by the way He turned up on the news last the week stitched in, me up there He turned up on the news last week in a tux for some reason offering comment on the crisis no context as to why he was in a tux so Always people, prepared so people, thought, so people thought he was like David Norris or someone or just someone who's sort of an eccentric Dave character Bond. just pops up yeah, <laughs> just pops who, who up. loves George in Dublin uh, so Bowes are playing UCD Derry Rovers is live uh, really really looking forward to that game I'm at Daily Mount actually but I'm going to go home and then hopefully I'd love to get through the game without knowing the score and going home not going to happen that's, not, that's you ridiculous John you, like, you spend most of your time on. I've been at matches with you and you spend most of your time on the laptop 
watching I know, Friday nights in the dog are over anyway Dundalk Dundalk. Dundalk. Finn Harps uh, Harps Christ does not look good two points for 11 games and they just have a simple chance a simple match now going to Dundalk Pats against Sligo uh, Pats were dreadful actually the other night Dan yeah two red cards in the last two games and Toner's tackle the other night two centre-backs sent off in the last two games Toner's tackle the was is like, yeah, mindless stuff yeah, I, um, I, I, yeah. and then Waterford Cork this could be a big big game in so many ways I think maybe next week we can reflect on how big that was then Monday on to Monday then UCD against Dundalk 3 o'clock can you do a couple of games on three, Monday if you had time 3 o'clock mm. 4 o'clock 5 o'clock 8 o'clock fixtures yeah, sounds like three, 5 o'clock rock going to rock the, <laughs> on the world tonight Waterford <laughs> against Derry oh, that's, a, that's a lovely uh, Monday night trip for Derry mm. um, well, that's 4 o'clock they'll get home or Monday trip albeit it is obviously a uh, bank Monday. holiday as well Cork City against Sligo Rovers 5 o'clock Harps against Pats 5 o'clock and the simple matter at 8 o'clock on Tuesday 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 night Rovers so you can't do the two games Rovers against it's on a different Rose. day um, you can't must be looking actually. forward to that Super Subs ah yeah they're always great games yeah. you know. you'll be particularly you're actually not looking forward to it at all you're going to hate it I am probably am I'm probably going to get absolutely abused um, oh, want to yeah. be playing where are you going to be set up I wonder yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the lads will look at me surely the corner, um, yeah. but yeah Bose are you going to use the old like Jamie Carroll lads using we well, we we you know Bose. I would have to see in the we, night how it, how it plays out. I don't know. Yeah. I can't say it for sure. It might just naturally tune in, happen. Tune in and see. Yeah, it might naturally happen. Yeah. Tune in and see. Really yeah. leaving lead, lead, lead it on the Who's table. The first division table. Just look at the first division table here, John. Longford are uh, even money to win the league now. I saw after being twenty to one. I was looking at the other end actually. Uh, Go United went bottom. Lost mm. at home to Cove Ramblers. Yeah, it's not great, is it? Not great. With the bottom of the first division, I don't know how you're going to address that. How, up, how, how low can you go? I mean, that's that's pretty. Re-election. Low. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Cabin Teeley three Athlone. They don't two. have re-election anymore. No. Actually, no. I don't know. No, they haven't done much elections in Irish football over the last ten or twelve years. <laughs> they probably have to get I'll rid of that. Give you that one. That <laughs> Drogs nil, Shelburne nil. Uh, Shells have only won four of their games actually in last three. Limerick one, Wexford one, Longford two. Bray nil, a comfortable win for Longford, top of the table. Neil Fenn um, doing a great job down there. Obviously, first division this weekend at Lone versus Galway United. Um, the only ground I haven't been to in Ireland, actually the one most local to my home in Galway, but probably won't make it Friday night. No, you just told us your day, mate. Unless I pull out. Yeah. Bray, I wouldn't mind going to the Brandywell on Friday. Bray, Drogheda, uh, Shells, Limerick, Wexford, Cavendish, Cove, Longford. Um, I don't know if we need to wrap up on Anthony Dan. Um, it's, no. it's it's been momentous few days. Let's Thanks, see where, Let's see where we are next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks very much for coming in, lads. Cheers, lads. No problem. And that was episode ten. But there are limits.